All week leading up to OU Ohio State, we all heard countless media members and fans alike explaining how the Buckeyes dominated the Sooners last year in Norman. And yes, while OU did lose by three touchdowns, Ohio State did not necessarily dominate OU. The Sooners moved the football consistently on that stout Ohio State defense, but a missed field goal, a tipped pass return for a touchdown, and a bad sack on first and goal from inside the five-yard line resulted in little to no points on the scoreboard for the Sooners. Basically, OU couldn't finish drives, and Ohio State took advantage. And you know what? Good on them. The Buckeyes were definitely the better team that night in 2016. But they did not thump the Sooners as badly as a lot of people would have you believe. Just listen to these numbers. Ohio State outgained OU 443 to 403. Just a 40-yard difference. That number even more impressive when you consider the Buckeyes had the ball for 35 minutes compared to only 25 for the Sooners. JT Barrett, only 152 yards passing, but four touchdown passes. And he got those touchdown passes because he was able to exploit some OU cornerbacks that had no business being on the field. Now, I bring all of that up in order to make this point. On Saturday, September 9th, 2017, Oklahoma went to Columbus, Ohio and most certainly dominated Ohio State. The Sooners left no doubt. Nearly 500 yards of offense for OU compared to just 350 for the Buckeyes, nearly 100 less than last season. Weird how that works out when you have a pair of competent cornerbacks controlling the edges. Yeah, OU did not run the ball as well as the Sooners did in 2016. Plus, OU had a pair of turnovers again, and they still took Ohio State to the woodshed. Okay, to be fair, took Ohio State to the woodshed in the second half. Here's the thing, Sooners fans. This Buckeyes team is really, really, really good. And OU just went into their house and stomped them. I picked Ohio State to win. I picked the Buckeyes to put up 41 and cover the spread, and I was dead wrong. And obviously, I've never been more happy to be dead wrong. After the game, Lincoln Riley told his team that they all should be disappointed if this turns out to be the highlight of the Sooner season. I mean, after all, OU's only played two games. And yes, while it's true that OU is just two games into the Lincoln Riley era, the Sooners' new head coach continues to amaze and continues to elevate my level of excitement. Over the past five years or so, I had not felt confident that OU could win a national championship anymore. And those feelings always tampered my excitement for OU football. Always tempered my excitement for OU football, if you will. Well, after two games of the Lincoln-Riley era, I'm convinced yet again that Oklahoma can once again win a national championship. It takes a special team to do what we saw Saturday night in Columbus. And behind a special team is always a special head coach. I'm Lee Benson, and this is West of Everest. They take it to him wide open, over the middle. It's Flowers running free. Dimitri Flowers, touchdown, Oklahoma. And the Sooners answer quickly. They take it to Anderson. A dart across the middle, touchdown. Lee Morris has given Oklahoma the lead. Mayfield, look left, has room, now throws it, touchdown!
Sooners stretch the lead to double digits. There it again. Throws low. Picked off. Going down low is Parnell Motley. First takeaway for Oklahoma. And they are set up. Set up first and goal. Down the end around. And barreling in for a touchdown is Jordan Smallwood. His first career touchdown. And Oklahoma has blown it open. What a Saturday night. OU beats Ohio State 31-16 in front of more than 109,000 people at Ohio Stadium. In a span of a few hours, Baker Mayfield vaulted himself to Heisman Trophy frontrunner status. The Sooners became a favorite to reach the college football playoff. And Lincoln Riley solidified himself as the best offensive coaching mind in college football. Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of West of Everest. Grant will join me here in just a moment. He's got a million thoughts on Saturday's game. But first, I want to remind you that West of Everest is available on SoundCloud and iTunes. Please subscribe and leave us a rating and a review. That helps us with the iTunes charts. And also, we really appreciate your feedback. We've had a lot of success so far in just about two weeks of this brand new podcast experience. And Grant and I would like to thank all of you for listening in as we talk some OU football. All right. So with that, I will welcome in Grant. Good day to you, Grant. Lee, it's such a good day. It's such a good day. Such a great night. I'm just I'm just happy to be here. I I, I mean I we'll go more in, in depth into the game, but um, I, I just I I couldn't wait to get in, and start talking about this game because I just like you said I have a million thoughts. Last night was so much fun. Yeah, we were texting back and forth throughout uh, throughout Saturday night. We uh, we record this podcast on Sundays, so if we ever refer to last night, we're talking about the OU Ohio State game, and uh, it was going back and forth. We had a lot of thoughts, and you mentioned yes, you have so many thoughts on this game. So let's just jump right into it. I got a question for you. Grant, what does this Oklahoma win over Ohio State Saturday night mean going forward for this Sooners season? Basically, I think it means sky's the limit for this team. Um, They just went into Columbus, and they proved that this is a team that can win a national championship. Um, Like like Lincoln Riley said after the game, of course, he hopes that this is not the highlight of their season, seeing that there's only been two games the entire, you know, two games up to this point. Um, But... Ohio State has uh, has a plethora of, of NFL talent on their team, um, probably more so than any team besides Alabama. Um, this is an Ohio State team that has the talent to win a national championship. A lot of people pick them to win the national championship. Um, and I don't think I can overstate how significant it was that Oklahoma went on, to, um, on their field and their house and just smacked them, smacked them, just punched them in the face. Um, it, it, it was that dominating a performance. It wasn't. It wasn't as close as the score suggested. Um, they 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 should have won that game by about three or four scores. Um, it, they they played that well, and I and I one of the best things about it, honestly, Lee, is that they can play better. They they made a lot of mistakes on offense. Let uh, left a lot of points on the field. Um, there were some defensive lapses, but for the most part, the defense was outstanding. Uh, the, we, we we saw an edge to the Sooners that I don't think we've seen in about a decade or so. Um, which is which is significant. Um, we we saw um, we saw team speed on defense that I don't think we've seen since um, the the early Stoops years. Um, it was it was a lot of fun to watch. They um, the OU went toe to toe with all of these guys at Ohio State and proved that they can play right with them and you know better than that. They're they're a better team. Oklahoma is a better team than Ohio State and they proved it last night. Lee, it was awesome. 
All right, I'm looking forward to diving in headfirst, talking about the offense and talking about the defense here in a moment. But here's what I believe this means for OU moving forward. First off, we're all fortunate enough to be witnessing two people at the top of their games right now. And I'm talking Baker Mayfield and Lincoln Riley. And having both of those guys in two of the most important positions and spots in a football program means that OU, as you mentioned, has national championship chances. Absolutely. It also means, after Saturday night, that we're going we're gonna to get to watch the next 10 games in the regular season, and they're likely all to actually matter. And with college football, the thing I hate the most about college football is that so few teams actually play games late in the year and even from the middle point of the year on on out that actually matter when it comes to competing for a national championship. And Oklahoma, even if they would have lost, because it's a game where Ohio State's still in the national championship discussion, of course, the, the college football playoff, because they can win out and still certainly make the playoff. Even if OU would have lost, still the, the next 10 games would have mattered as long as Oklahoma won them. But now, definitely going forward, we know that these games will matter and it'll make it that much more fun to watch Oklahoma play. And kind of expanding just on that thought about the college football playoff and Oklahoma playing so well, to me, it means that college football is really fun again. It's really fun. To me, it's been it's been down for the last, again, back to my opening take, five or so years because I just did not have the confidence that, oh, you could really win at a level where they should be winning based on what their program is. And after Saturday night, Oklahoma can. And they beat a team, like you said, that has a lot of NFL talent. And again, I can't emphasize this enough. Ohio State's a really good football team. Oklahoma made them look like an okay team on Saturday night. Ohio State, as long as they they take the rest of the season seriously, they should run through the Big Ten. They should run through the Big Ten because they have so much talent. So, uh, that's that's kind of what it means to me going through as, as we now move into breaking down the offense. But in, anything that you want to add based on my to- uh, my thoughts? Yeah, Lee, I'm glad that you just brought that up. Just I, I want to reiterate again that the, the Sooners just put themselves in a position that, that as a team um, that they haven't been in in over a decade now. And that's they have put themselves um, on the doorstep already of um, – national championship slash playoff contention. They're going to be um, the team, um, as long as they keep winning, they are going to be the team that everyone mentions right, right alongside Alabama as as the favorites to be there. And it's if, if you're an OU fan of the last, uh, you know, 15, 20 years or since Bob Stoops arrived, this is something that you have not, that's something that has not happened since um, uh, since the early years of Bob Stoops. So we, I know we had the run in 2008, um, but that was kind of a they they had to to make a run at the end of the season there, and they kind of came on came on at the end after a lot of teams lost. This year they they completely control their destiny. They went they went on the road and they beat um, they beat a team that a lot of people thought was the best team in the country on their field, and they didn't just beat them; they punched them in the mouth hard. It was it it was it's I. I, I think a general theme that I'm going to have throughout this is just how excited I am because that's that's what I saw last night. I I, I didn't I, I saw an edge that I have not seen in a very long time from an Oklahoma football team, and it was really awesome to see. 
All right, let's talk Oklahoma offense Saturday night against Ohio State. And we're talking about all this po- uh, positive stuff so far in this podcast, Grant. But first off, I got to tell you, that first half, my thoughts were, man, OU is losing this game because they're missing so many chances. They're, and I'm sure that's not a, that's not a, a crazy thought because I'm sure every single OU fan had the same exact thought because there was a moment where and not a moment. I mean, I believe Oklahoma in that first half got into plus territory every single drive. They did. And yep. only came away with a field goal to show for it at the very end of the half. I mean, it was it was really frustrating watching them play. And Grant, and t- tell me if you felt this way too. In that first half, I had flashbacks back to that national title game against Florida. Yeah. Uh, OU, OU moved the football consistently all throughout that game against Florida. They just could not finish drives. And that's the, the same way I, I, I felt against Ohio State on Saturday night in that first half. Yeah, I, I'd i be lying to you if I didn't say that thoughts like that creeped into my mind. They did a little bit. But I, I was tempered a little bit because um, it they weren't doing it with, with smoke and mirrors. They weren't doing it with trick plays or anything like that. They really were just taking it to Ohio State. Um, going into the game, of course, the big the big thing was OU's offensive line versus their defensive line, which I thought their defensive line was as advertised. I thought they were impressive, um, but fortunately, OU's offensive line is ad, is as advertised. They are the best group in the in the country. It's not even close. They controlled that game, and it was impressive how well they controlled that game. OU's defense or uh, Ohio State's defensive line did make some plays, um, but. There were no huge uh, protection busts. I thought they 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 run blocked incredibly well, um, and so when when you said you were you were worried about oh you leaving some points on the field, and I was too obviously because when you do that you put yourself in positions to you know anything can happen in a close game. Um, but I also I wasn't incredibly concerned because I knew that uh, Oklahoma's offensive line was. Um, they were forcing their will on, on Ohio State, and I figured that that would continue throughout the game, and it did. Um, wh- what Oklahoma was doing was just was just good execution. Like I said, there was no smoke and mirrors, and I didn't think there was any reason that that couldn't continue into the second half. I had just wished that they had been up by a couple scores going into the first going into halftime, like they probably should have been. And speaking of the offensive line playing as well as they did, just it's it's worth pointing out that in a, in a game where Oklahoma played probably the second best defensive line outside of Clemson in, in the nation. Yeah. Well, well Baker we'll, Mayfield really wasn't touched with the exception of one play where he got decleated pretty badly on, on, on a throw. But outside of that play, he, he didn't get touched really at all, mm-hmm. which is saying a lot. Absolutely. Only got sacked once. Um, and it was on, uh, it was in the second half. It was actually the only, um, the only drive where the Sooners did not get into Ohio state territory in the game. Um, that was, it was actually a, it was a big drive. That was after Ohio State took a thirteen to ten lead with a field goal, um, and Nick Bosa made a really really good play um, on Baker Mayfield. Sacked him, I think, at the two yard line. Um, it was a it was an interesting play uh, that Greg Schiano called up for Ohio State's defense, um, but it really wasn't a protection bust. They they just got to the running backs in protection and made a great play. That was that was the only time that Baker got touched, um, other than like you said, Jerome Baker hitting him from behind. But hey, he. Popped right back up, and he uh, he actually completed the pass too. So, but of course, that's Baker. That's Baker Mayfield. So my notes are set up to where I I took notes throughout the entire game, and I just kind of want to go through some things from the start to the finish offensively, and I'll do this with defense too. But I just want to get your thoughts on perfect and, and see what you thought. So, one thing that really popped out to me, jumped out to me, 
pretty early on in the game offensively, and, and I'm sure it was the same with a lot of Sooners fans. That play call with the direct snap to Abdul Adams and the kind of little nice creative wrinkle that I really haven't seen that before. And I was mm-hmm. thinking, man, that's a really interesting – and it, it worked. It, it worked every single time they did it. Yeah, and so that's actually um, – if you really think about it, that play is, is kind of a variation of their bread and butter running play. Their bread and butter running play is, is the one where they have the, the two guards pulling out to the other side. Um, usually they just hand it off, obviously, but there they do a direct snap. And I like that little wrinkle just because it's a nice little, uh, it's it's just a different look and it kind of takes you by surprise. Um, I, I feel like, I think they, they ran that play about three or four times, Lee. It, it seems like they, they picked up about five to 10 yards every time they ran it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, mm-hmm. and you know that they have other plays, um, with that formation too, you know, there's going to be, you know, some option looks, probably a trick play on that. And, um, really Lee, outside of, uh, the one, that one play where Kyler Murray came in when, when Baker was, was cramping up and they ran kind of a weird little handoff to the running back option play with Murray. I thought that was a cool little play too. Um, that was really the, the only two wrinkles that they put in the offense other than that it was just vintage Lincoln Riley offense and it was just executed to near perfection it was amazing okay I'm glad you brought up the uh, Kyler Murray because that I gotta tell you Grant that whole scenario that whole sequence with Kyler Murray the two times he came in I think that was all planned out I think Baker Mayfield was not cramping I think that was a look that Oklahoma had planned to do just to kind of get Ohio State think what's going on here because wow you're going full-on conspiracy theory there the first time baker mayfield yeah because the first time baker mayfield came off the field it was following one of those direct snap plays he wasn't touched he wasn't touched at all and all of a sudden you see him limping off the field and weird weird kyler murray was was on the sideline just ready to go right away like (laughs) they they didn't have to say kyler kyler hey where are you come he was he was right there with lincoln riley and he ran right in and he handed it off to trey sermon who we saw for the first time following that then later on in the first half when it happened again weirdly baker mayfield was cramping up again he came off field kyler murray right there and oh would you know it that next the next play call they run the freaking option with trey sermon and kyler murray you tell me that was not a planned thing Want, uh, Baker Mayfield came right back in on both plays, no harm at all. I, w- I think that was a plan. I want all the listeners here to uh, know that uh, West of Everest is your official podcast for Baker Mayfield trutherism. Um, you know what? I, there I, was even a moment where they cut, they did a tight shot of Baker Mayfield after he came off the field on one of those plays where he was cramping and he was smiling. Yeah, like he, he was. was I saw like, that. Hey, man, like this is this is fun. Well, like, let's see what happens here. I'm not going to 100% dismiss you. I, I doubt that that was the case, but you did put forth a, a pretty decent uh, case for it. Because you're right. It was it was kind of odd how seamless Kyler Murray came in both times. Like he was, It, it seems like he was almost already out on the field before Baker left the field. Um, <laughs> but anywho, I, 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 let's, let's go back to that, that option that they ran again uh, with Kyler Murray and Trey Sermon. That's a cool play, man. I, I I've never seen that play before, and I'm surprised. No, and, and I'm surprised I haven't because it was such a simple play. But it's cool. Well, you've probably never seen it because there's not a whole lot of quarterbacks in college football that are like Kyler Murray. Mm-hmm. Correct. I mean, and and a lot of the questions in fall camp was like, hey, are you going to get Kyler Murray on the field with Baker Mayfield and use him as a wide receiver or get him the ball in space? And Lincoln Riley never really wanted to tip his hand on that, which makes sense. You know, why give away? Mm-hmm. You know, potentially 
one of the most talented athletic players on the team, what they're going to have him do in Kyler Murray. And that was an instance where, yeah, Lincoln Riley is a great offensive mind, and he's and he sees what we see. He said, you know, we got to get Kyler Murray the football in space somehow, even though he's not going to play a whole lot because, well, we have Baker Mayfield. Uh, the middle of the field was open a lot of the game, Grant, against the Ohio State defense. Just like I said. That's, that's by the what way. you said? Yep. Yeah, you said there's going to be an, a, a weakness there, if you will. And it's true. Um, we'll be remiss if we don't bring up Mark Andrews. Took a hit to the knee at the very final play of the first quarter. Grant, we're, we're never going to know how much Mark Andrews would, would have been involved in that game plan because, really, he wasn't that involved early on in the game, but it seemed like they are starting to get him involved. Mm. Then he got hurt. And I got to tell you, man, they showed him on the sidelines lying down, and, and the, the trainer was moving his his lower leg side to side, and, and he he winced really really badly. I'm afraid this is a serious knee injury for Mark Andrews. Yeah, and I, I guess at this point we just can hope that that's not the case. Um, I w- once I saw him on the on the sideline with ice, I knew he was done uh, for the game. I we'll see. They um, the reporters asked Lincoln Riley at halftime, and he said we'll see about Mark Andrews. So he didn't he didn't uh, come out and say he's done for the game or anything like that. Um, so I'm hoping it's maybe a situation where the the trainers did their due diligence, didn't necessarily find anything wrong, um, but he was still in pain. Maybe didn't think he could go. Um, I, I, I'm assuming we'll we'll find out a lot more about Mark Andrews on uh, Lincoln Riley's Monday press conference, but. I, I hope it's I hope it's nothing. I hope it's just like a, a bad bone bruise or something like that. I hope it's nothing serious, um, because that would be a major a major loss. Even though they did um, they did navigate Ohio State's offense in the second half and played really well without Mark Andrews, uh, I, I I still don't want this offense to go an extended period of time in this season without him because that would be a major a major blow. Any other comments on the first half? Because there's a lot to talk about when it comes to the second half of this game. Yeah, I just I. I was impressed just right from the get-go, just how poised OU was and how, how they came out. Um, I I want to reiterate again just how, how masterful of an offensive game plan that Oklahoma had in this game. I mean, it was it was beautiful to see. Lincoln Riley pantsed Greg Schiano. I mean, it was... Um, OU lead did whatever they wanted last night, whatever they wanted, and it was it was beautiful to see. And that, and that, in, and that includes the first half. You know, they, they outgained Ohio State by about 150 yards in the first half. It was awesome. So the third quarter, man, Ohio State gets that nice kickoff return to set up what ended up being a touchdown drive, and they take a 10-3 to lead, and, and you're thinking, man, that's, that's not good. But what does Oklahoma do? They come right back down on the field. Mayfield moves them down, and it's like right away – you know me, Grant, and I don't know if I've really talked about this on the podcast much. Something that really stands out to me about football coaches, one of the most important things is what teams do after halftime because it shows you whether or not the coach can adjust. And Oklahoma's offense moved the football well in the first half, but they couldn't finish. In the second half, they moved the football well, and they finished, and it all started with the opening drive. And I love the touchdown pass to Dimitri Flowers. Just a nice blitz beater. Flowers. Once again, I praised him last week after the UTEP game. This guy, I want this guy to be, to be my best friend, Grant. He <laughs> ended up being the most, outside of Baker Mayfield, he may have been the most important player in this game. And then actually, you know. That's, that's not even not debatable. Because he, on well, he was, but, also, yeah. but you also want to throw Trey Serban in there because he ended up being fantastic as well. But as a pass catcher, Dimitri Flowers is just so dynamic and he can do it all. 
And it was a great read by Baker Mayfield as three linebackers bit on the run fake to Trey mm-hmm. Sermon. Mayfield read it perfectly, dumped it off over the middle in man coverage. Dimitri Flowers, who is a pretty darn good athlete, he just and proved just ran that, for yeah. the touchdown. Can you? And the thing that that impressed me the most about that, first of all, just a just a, a perfect play call. Dimitri could not have, he could not have been more wide open on that play. I mean, it was. I don't even think there was an Ohio State defender on the screen when he caught the ball. (laughs) And then the the most important or the uh, the most impressive portion of it was when he got to about the ten yard line, him cutting it outside and just out racing an Ohio State safety to the goal line. Like Demetri Flowers can run, boy, my goodness! And you wouldn't believe. I mean, he's two hundred and fifty pounds, and he 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 outruns an Ohio State safety to the goal line. Amazing. I mean, once Mark Andrews went down, and, and and they were using Flowers early on before Andrews anyways, but really after Andrews went down, Dimitri Flowers was even more important, obviously, because they can just use him in so many different ways as a tight end, as a wing, as a fullback, as an upback, as an H-back, you name it. Dimitri Flowers, once again, had a fantastic game. Uh, a couple other notes. Grant. Lee. Michael Jones. <laughs> we Michael had a Mike Jones. We had a Michael Jones sighting, and he looked he looks like Sterling Shepard out there. Um, and I, I know I'm being a little hyperbolic there. I mean, like looked like him. Like he looked like him in his uniform, not like he played as well as a Sterling Shepard. But <laughs> oh, um, you know. But yeah, and they were two. They were two. Uh, two catches and for two first downs. Um, how about that throw though by Mayfield to to Jones on that that 40 plus yard reception in the in the third quarter? What a throw that was. Could not have been more perfect oh just over the outstretched hand of the defensive mm-hmm. back. And so, yeah, and, and Michael Jones looked really good there. Um, he, he looked the part of a, of a really good major conference wide receiver um, on those two catches. If, if they could get him to bust out, that would be huge because he was a, he was a, he was a top 100 recruit, very highly rated guy, um, and he's, he's flashed some moments of brilliance. He's got that, that explosiveness. We saw that a little bit last year, saw it a little bit last night. If they could get him going, that would just be a huge deal because one, th- uh, because one thing that the Sooners have um, proven so far is that they, they probably don't have a D.D. Westbrook-like talent this year. Um, they maybe have a talent like that, but they, it's a young talent. But they do have uh, just a plethora of dependable guys that Baker can throw the ball to. And they, they proved that last night. Uh, nine, nine different guys caught a ball last night um, from Baker. And, you know, three true freshmen, um, others. Lee Morris had, had that touchdown catch. Um, they, they just got a lot of options. And that was something that I, that I think a lot of us were worried about going into the season. But all of these guys are competent. And it's kind of, it's, it's surprising in a, you know, in a, in a good way. It's awesome. After that 42-yard strike from Mayfield to Michael Jones, the very next play was a touchdown pass to Lee Morris, my favorite player in the this team was, for obvious reasons. And this was this this was the best executed play of the night too, and I'll get into it after what you have to say. Well, no, that's what I was going to yeah. do. I was going to break it down for you. Were you going to break it down? I, I was, were but you if, if, break this if, down? if you were going to do it, if you got notes on it, it's better because I just saw it on on a clip before we started. Um, but yeah, that was that was maybe the the best executed play of the night. Lee, why don't you break it down? Well, if you were watching the game on TV. I think Kirk Herbstreet broke it down quite simply, but here's basically what happened. I mean, it was so well done. Trips to the left for OU. Michael Jones, who just made a big play, literally the previous play, runs a screen route like it's a screen. And since it's man coverage, the free safety who's on Jones collapses towards the line of scrimmage. Meanwhile, Lee Morris is manned up against 
what do you know? A linebacker. He hesitates like he's going to block for the screen, which makes the linebacker kind of come up to try to stop Morris. And then, wouldn't you know it again, Morris slants back in, runs a post, beats the linebacker wide open for the touchdown. Beautiful, beautiful, high-level, high-concept offensive football. It was awesome. What a play call. That's that that play is nearly impossible to defend unless you know that it's coming. Um, just because Lee Morris ran such a good route there. Um, and uh, I, I, they showed kind of like the all 22 uh, cam on, on the uh, on the broadcast and they had Kirk Herbstreit breaking it down. Man, as soon as Lee Morris kind of released from his fake block. Oh, he was so wide open. Um, and it was, and, and one of the things that I thought was impressive was um, even as soon as he flashed wide open, Baker Baker threw the ball. Um, and Ohio State's uh, defensive backs, just in, in that short window of time, closed that window really quickly. Um, so it didn't. He didn't look as wide open as he was when he actually caught the ball. Um, but I, that play is awesome. I, and I and I know I keep using the word awesome to describe it. That's the only way I can describe everything that happened last night. Um, Lee, I, th- that play right there just it it shows. It, I, I thought it showed that Lincoln Riley is just is just a step ahead of everybody else. Um, and, and and you know that they were setting that play up over the course of the game too. Um, and that was something that Ohio State's probably seen on film. And they thought that oh my God, we got this, we got this, we got the screen the, the screen pass snuffed out. Um, nope, Lincoln Lincoln Riley got you. And it couldn't have come at a better time because that gave Oklahoma the lead. We're, we're going. Real long on OU offense. Just a couple other notes that I want to I want to mention. I know they scored a couple more touchdowns. CD Lamb, CD Lamb, another nice game. He does not look like a freshman out there. No, Grant. He's he looks a, like he looks so smooth catching the ball, running with the football. Yeah, he's and so um, does so did Trey Sermon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, CD Lamb is 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 going to be um, is the next great OU wide receiver. I, I think that's pretty clear. I, I wouldn't be surprised by by near the end of the season if he becomes the go to guy in the offense. Um, because he, he showed up last night in obviously the toughest environment he's ever played in. Um, and he did not look like a true freshman. I think he had one drop on the sideline that he needed to catch. But other than that, that was a tough, that was a tough catch. It, it, it was mean. a tough catch, but man, he had it and he, he just lost it as he was bringing it into his body. Um, but just, um, this, the savviness of him, he, he just, he, he's a good route runner. Um, they, they pointed out during the, how good he is at just kind of settling down in, in the soft spots of the zone. He did that all night last night. Um, just how he works back to the ball once it's in the air is impressive. He uses his frame really nicely to block off defensive backs, and he's just athletic. You can tell he's he's athletic, and that if you get him in space, he's he's going to be a guy who can run after the catch. But uh, he's impressive, and I have uh, after the first two games, I have the utmost confidence in CD Lamb. Um, and you you mentioned Trey Sermon. I, I do want to get into it. Um, Ab- Abdul Adams, I think f- he fumbled in in the first quarter. Um, he didn't get a carry, I don't believe, after that fumble. Um, Trey Sermon and Rodney Anderson were the only ones really who who did anything after that. Um, I, I I still think Abdul Adams um, is is the better runner than Trey Sermon. Um, having that been said, Trey Sermon, I, I think he, he proved himself to be the perfect back for this moment. Though he he came in and he uh, he he looked really good. He did not look like a true freshman. Um, he only ran for 62 yards on 17 carries, but just the little plays he made. He didn't make any mistakes. He uh, he pass protected well. He caught the ball out of the backfield really well. He did not go down on first contact 
ever. He always kept going. He always fell forward. Trey Sermon's a really effective player. He, he's going to be a guy who's really valuable for the Sooners going forward. And I, I, I couldn't be more happy to be wrong on him. I, I said um, in, in fall camp and leading up that he, out of all four of the, the running backs, he, he impressed me the least just with his explosiveness and whatnot. Um, but for, for this moment, for this game, he was the perfect type of bat. He just steady and dependable, and that's never a bad thing um, in the backfield. And especially for a true freshman, it's really impressive. And on the flip side, after fall camp, the most impressive back to me was Marcellius Sutton. He doesn't see the field against Ohio State. Yep, which so is, I that that was odd. It's, it's got to be a game. It's got to be a game plan thing, and and that shows me that Lincoln Riley, man, every single game is a new game. He's not going to be like, oh, I have to do this every game. I have to do that. He watches the film, and he sees where he can exploit the opposing defense. And my theory is that. He just didn't feel like Marcellius Sutton would have worked well against this Ohio State defense, or, or, or heck, maybe something happened in practice that we don't know yeah, about. Yeah, that, yeah, that could be it. it. But also, it could be a thing where OU was physical tonight. Uh, they really were, and maybe they thought uh, just rolling with the other three guys was was their best bet um, in terms of physicality. And uh, to touch on Abdul Adams again, I thought in his carries that he looked crisp, he looked explosive. Uh, just that one, um, the, the one fumble that he had, and after that. Um, I, I think Lincoln Riley just thought, you know, I'm going to go with the true freshman. Um, but I, we're, we haven't seen the last of Abdul Adams. I, I would assume we'll see quite a bit of him as the season goes on because I, I do. I, I still think he's he's the best pure runner out of all these guys. He he looked he looked the the crispest in terms of his cuts and his explosiveness. Um, uh, Rodney Anderson also got got quite a bit of playing time in the second half, and I thought he looked he looked good. He had he had one catch um, where he picked up a first down. He picked up twelve yards, and I thought he looked explosive. He looked really fast. Um, so if they can get creative ways uh, to, to get Rodney Anderson the ball in open space, he's a guy that I, I think you're probably going to see him break off. You know, a few uh, long touchdown runs this year. Couple more quick notes. Obvious again. OU wants to get Jeff Bedette in space, and he looked really fast on oh, Saturday night. Yeah, he did, and and he made a lot of nice plays with his feet, running after the catch, running after got a couple carries. Uh, he was a big part of that uh, that that win. Um, you mentioned Trey Sermon, the touchdown catch, great throw by great Baker play. Mayfield, great play. But perhaps the best part of that play was the quick cutaway to Bob Stoops going bananas <laughs> in the booth. Like, I mean, the dude's just a fan now. Oh, he is, and. And I think he loves it. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I'm. That. That was so cool to see. I. I just had the biggest stupid smile on my face after I saw that, um, because you know, I. It. There was. There was kind of a meme about Bob Stoops in the last. You know, the last few years of him coaching that. You know, he had lost his edge and he just didn't care as much anymore. And you know, maybe it was just he was just getting. He was just getting tired of of the grind of it all. But man, you can never question how much he freaking loves this football team, can you? Because he was no. he was going nuts on that, and he was he's probably just as excited as, as all the players and, and Lincoln Riley after that game because hey, man, that's that's his team, man. He he recruited all those guys, and um, they those guys those guys proved that they belonged on the same field with uh, you know with Ohio State, and I'm sure Bob Soup was just proud to see that, and and also you know it was nice to see uh, bro Bob Soup. You see what he was wearing? He was wearing like a a button-up shirt that was untucked. He was wearing some like designer sneakers with with it was jeans. Pink, yeah, yeah. He had a pink shirt on. He had a pink shirt. He had like he had some. He he had a big old watch on his right on his left wrist. Man, he, Bob Seuss is enjoying retirement. Obviously. Okay, that's all for offense. We talked about the offense for 
for like 25 minutes. We got to move on to the defense because the defense really, you could argue, was even more impressive than the offense in a lot of ways because we didn't expect this didn't expect out of the Oklahoma defense. And here's my first thoughts on the Oklahoma defense. I'm Grant. I'm sure you have very similar thoughts. Big freaking tip of the cap to Mike Stoops. Yeah, he was good. I said it last week that I just I didn't trust this OU defense, and a lot of the reasons why is because of what we've seen from his unit over the years, over the years. Mike Stoops on Saturday night just dunked all up in my face, just took the ball to the rim, and just dunked it on me. Great game plan. Grant, I got a flashback again. I, I said earlier that the first half offense reminded me of that Florida game in 2008, the national title game. Mm-hmm. This defense reminded me back in 2009, OU Texas, when the Sooners came out oh. and were doing something completely differently yeah. than we had seen all year against Texas and just, for the most part, shut down Colt McCoy in that offense. Yep. But but the OU offense just couldn't do anything because Landry Jones was playing and, and Texas' defense was really good. I had flashbacks to that 9 OU Texas game thinking, oh my gosh, this defense looks so fast, so aggressive, and it's something we haven't seen in a while. Uh, so first of all, I think um, Mike Stoops is, is starting to prove that if you give him a competent secondary, then that's when he just he just kind of takes the the leash off and and, and unleashes everything. Um, over the course of his career, it, when the Sooners have a good secondary, their defense is just is nasty, especially in the front seven. Um, it seems like he just gets a lot more comfortable when he feels like he doesn't have to worry about the back end. And that's obviously the case here. OU secondary, I think, is um, at the very least is, is by far the best in the Big 12 now. It's not even close. They're definitely one of the best units in the entire country. Um, you know, I, I, I can't say enough just how, how well the defense played. And I, I think a lot of it had to do with, I thought Ohio State's offensive game plan was atrocious. Um, but the thing that stood out to me the most was was the team speed. The defense, it, it still is small. It's not a huge defense, but they can run, man. Those linebackers, OU's linebackers are are so fast, and it's impressive, and they, they, they used it. Ohio State tried to challenge them, um, uh, tried to challenge them on the edges, and they did not get to the edge at all. The OU's defense was too fast. A lot of swarming. Mm-hmm. The defensive line, I thought, was formidable. The I, defensive line... Yep created a lot of stalemates, even got some pressure, got through. Uh, can't overstate this enough. The tackling was superb. Tackling was superb good. Superb tackling. Yep. And that leads to what the biggest key of this game was, as far as I was concerned, for Oklahoma's defense against Ohio State's offense. Grant, there were no big plays. None. There were no big plays, with the exception of a 31-yard completion that the guy caught and and – Upon further review, they had to review it, and they, they called it a catch. They reversed it. But that was for 31 yards. Outside of that, there was no point in the game where you saw an Ohio State running back or wide receiver just out in space running, and, and that's fantastic. And, and Lee, the reason that is, oh, like just telling everyone here, OU secondary is really good. It's really good. Um, and we even saw um, I, I had flashbacks you know, back back in 2015. Will Johnson was kind of a was a guy that not a lot of people paid attention to when they signed him out of junior college. Um, he came in with a chip on his shoulder and he won kind of a starting job right away that season as a nickelback. And when he was out, you know, you know, playing on the back end of the defense, he played really well and he was a really valuable member of that that defense that went to the college football playoff. Um, last year, they kind of tried to they kind of tried to screw with him a little bit and they put him kind of in a, in a weird 
nickel slash linebacker hybrid and he couldn't uh he couldn't keep up uh, around the line of scrimmage got washed out by linebackers all the time had some concussion problems just because he was out he was just there in the scrum um and ironically enough of course he he left last night after the first half which with with what we think is a concussion um but when even when he was in there man he's he showed exactly what we saw in 2015 of just he's He's a good player back there in the secondary. I, I was kind of disappointed when Robert Barnes didn't win uh, that safety job at a camp, but Will Johnson showed why he won it because he was really good. Um, we didn't see a whole lot from Stephen Parker, um, and I think uh, that's because he was on the same field, uh, same side of the field as Jordan Thomas, and those guys just didn't give up anything. They, for the most part, they just Ohio State completely ignored them and just had no interest in throwing their way, uh, which which is a good thing. And it was, this is what we talked about, Lee, is that Ohio State was not going to be able to fall back on um, the other, you know, the other side of the field where the corner is this season. They weren't going to be able to fall back on there and just throw jump balls because our guy Parnell Motley is over there. And Lee, are you? I I was going to ask you, are you the the biggest fan of Parnell Motley alive? But that's not true because I'm actually the president of the Parnell Motley fan club. Yeah, I, I think it's impossible to be more of a fan of Parnell Motley, Grant, than, than you are at this point. Uh, I certainly am a huge fan as well because what we've been waiting for and what we talked about a lot before this season began, and I think you mentioned it specifically, is that the key, a big key to a really good defense is two really good cornerbacks. And we knew Oklahoma already had one with Jordan Thomas. He's very effective and good. We just didn't know that they could have another one. I mean, we heard all this good stuff about Parnell Motley. We heard he was great in camp, but he proved it. He proved it Saturday night. And if you remember last week going into this game, I was very concerned about the, the secondary because they really weren't tested at all against UTEP. I, I didn't know if they'd be able to hold up against Ohio State's speed and just the, the different kind of offense that OU would see compared to what UTEP provided. And no question, that secondary passed the test I loved how they played up on the receivers. They were aggressive. They mixed up a lot of the looks. And and it just it was such a relief and such, so refreshing to watch an Oklahoma secondary play that way. Ohio State had a tough time getting open. I mean, they weren't open. Only, they weren't open. Th- well, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I suppose for the most part. Yeah. I mean, it was just, what, two, three years ago when we were watching Baylor coming to Norman and just – I mean, watching D-backs play five to seven to ten yards off receivers and Baylor just saying, okay, thanks, we'll just take five, seven, ten yards at a time and just going down the field without any adjustments being made. Well, that seems like that was 20 years ago after watching what the uh, the OU defense did on Saturday. Yeah, Lee, I, the secondary is, is really good. Um, you, you saw a lot. I You saw JT Barrett a lot just uh, going through his reads and not and just kind of panicking and fidgeting and – uh, leaving the pocket early just because no one was open, um, and and I, I do want to bring up. Uh, I'll, I'll well, I'll, I'll touch on Motley one more time. Lee Parnell Motley is um, he's he's basically um, he, he reminded me a lot of Aaron Colvin uh, watching him last night, but he's but he's better. He he's a better he's better, and um, I he he has a lot of attitude. He's got a chip on his shoulder, man. He's got some swagger, and you could tell that 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 moment last night was was just not too big for him. He relished every second of it and he made big play after big play um he basically had two interceptions he had he had one that would have ended the game um in the fourth quarter that should have been reviewed that wasn't it was a clear interception 
Um, but other yeah, than that, that was ridiculous. Yeah. How they got how that got by him is stupid. Yeah, I don't know. And but and other than that, you know, any completions he that he did give up, um, he he was breathing down the neck of the receiver every time. He's a sure tackler, which is not something that we've always seen from Oklahoma cornerbacks. Um, it just could not be more impressed with that guy. And I, I would be remiss if I didn't bring up um, the, the players that came in for Will Johnson after he left at halftime. All looked highly competent. All looked really good. Robert Barnes, um, outside of just getting undressed um, by J.K. Dobbins on one occasion, uh, looked really good. He looked he, he looked like he physically belonged out there. Um, Khalil Houghton was really good, finally flashing um, the potential I think a lot of people have seen from him. Um, he made a couple of really good plays. And Chance Sylvie w- was out there playing in the nickel a lot. And um, the thing that that I really like about Chance Sylvie is just is his physicality. He looks the part out there. He just, he just looks big, um, looks like he can bring the wood to you. And he looked really good in relief. Um, just overall, just a great game by the secondary. I they're if if they play that well the entire season, they're they're not they're not going to lose um, in the Big Twelve. I, I think that's that's pretty clear. If they if if they can play up to that uh, up, up to that capabilities in the Big Twelve, they're going to do really well. We keep praising the secondary. I gotta give some love to a member of the defensive line. And you brought up the play where Robert Barnes was shook by J.K. Dobbins. Grant mm-hmm. on that play, Dobbins had nothing between him and the end zone, but Neville Gallimore mm-hmm. comes from behind and makes a shoestring tackle to save a touchdown. Yeah, and, I mean that was a massive play in the game because he goes for for six. There's a big play. There's a big play that we didn't see all night long. Ohio State goes up 17 to 10, has all this momentum. Instead, OU's defense forces the Buckeyes to drive, hold them to a field goal on that series. But instead of it being 17 to 10 with a bunch of momentum, it's 13 to 10, and Oklahoma gets the football back. And, and so, just a Neville Gallimore was fantastic on that play, and, sure. and he played. He, he along with the rest of the defensive line played pretty well. Yeah, I, I didn't think they were bad at all. Um, you and I were kind of texting back and forth um, in the middle of the game, and we were kind of confused as to why Ohio State was not running um, that little up the middle trap play a lot. It seemed like they were getting um, they were getting kind of chunk yardage every time they they ran that, and it seemed like uh, going into the game, if OU had a weakness on defense, it was it was up the middle um, with their you know with their true freshman middle linebacker and just you know not 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 a ton of beef on the defensive line in the middle. And I, I, I still think Ohio State really could have exploited that, but instead, Kevin Wilson decided, you know, on a game plan that played right into the Sooner strengths, which um, was, you know, it was was good for OU. But I was kind of, I was kind of confused as to why they weren't trying to smash mouth run the ball up the middle. One more shout out to a guy that had a fantastic game, and it's it's a player that we had concerns about just because of the way he's utilized against teams like Ohio State. Obo Okorwankwo Grant, he was fantastic. A couple of sacks, and and how about that cutaway of Mike Stoops in the booth after that second sack mm-hmm. that Obo got, where he was kind of holding on. I mean, that was basically all OU Nation, and Mike Stoops was just kind of living it for everybody at there. Obo, man, he really showed 
that he can be a difference maker last night against a team like Ohio State because we really haven't seen him play that way against a team as elite as an Ohio State offense. Yeah, Lee uh, Obo was just was he was all over the field last night, um, and it, it, I think it's it's his speed and his physicality that jumps out on you. I think you and I were were kind of concerned about him potentially playing kind of on the defensive line this year, um, but I I think he's going to hold up just fine. He's so physical. He's so quick. Um, I, he, he looked like an All-American out there yesterday. Uh, he was that good. Um, I think once, um, when Eric Stryker left, I think everyone was, was kind of concerned about, you know, how they're going to generate a pass rush, who's going to step in for him. And I Oboe up to this point, and you know, considering last year also, has um, has, has proven himself, I think, to be to be a better um, overall all-around player than Eric Stryker was. And and that, that jack position on this OU defense, that's so important. He looked great. Um, I do want to throw out there to his backup, Mark Jackson. Um Played a little bit, but when he did, he did get a sack there in the fourth quarter, and he looked good. He looked big out there. Uh, he looked like he belonged on the field with all those guys. Um, man, Obo is great. And I, I do want to bring up the linebackers too, Lee, um, just because uh, Emmanuel Beal played by far his best game as a Sooner. He looked really good last night. Um, he looked fast. He just he made a lot of quick, decisive uh, plays. Um, uh, Kenneth Murray was not a liability at all. Um, he uh, he flashed his, just his overwhelming athleticism on times. There was one in the fourth quarter um, where the Sooners stopped Ohio State on, on fourth down, up 17 to 13. I have that play right here in my notes. Oh, my good The the speed, the closing speed that Kenneth Murray had on, on JT Barrett there was – was it was kind of a wow moment and he forced he forced JT Barrett basically to throw the ball away on fourth down um Kenneth Murray played for a true freshman starting in the middle in, in the horseshoe at, at Ohio State he played really well really well and that was a huge play at the time because it was a turnover on downs and it gave Oklahoma the football for the first time all night with the lead and they and and they came down and they scored immediately it was oh mm-hmm. that's so awesome just mm-hmm. a, a killer instinct yep all right, so to wrap things all up, we have some some final thoughts. We're going to put a bow on this phenomenal win from Oklahoma over Ohio State. And so here's a couple of things that I have written down in my notes that I just want to touch on that, that we've – this first one I think we've kind of touched on but really haven't uh, dove into. Here we go. JT Barrett is what I've been saying he is for the last couple of years, okay? Anybody who – who believed otherwise, meaning that JT Barrett is an, is an elite talent that can be a difference maker, needs to really reevaluate and rethink the way they consume football because what we saw was JT Barrett finally playing from behind and seeing that he can't do it. And they're asking him to do things that he really does, don't have, does not have the skills to do. I just wish that OU would have gotten that lead earlier in the game because we would have seen more and more tape of JT Barrett just not being able to get it done trailing in games against good teams. Yeah, that's a good point. I think if, if OU is able to capitalize in the first half you know, on the success they were having on offense and they you know, could have put the ball in the end zone a couple times, I said it earlier in the podcast, but that, that's a game that OU probably would have won by damn near 30 I mean, that's how I <laughs> that's how much they dominated that game. I mean it was the score didn't it didn't always suggest it, but um and yeah, you put JT Barrett behind and he's he he's proved that he he can't throw the ball downfield and he can't he, that, that was the Sooners game plan. You could tell they they wanted to play up um on the receivers and challenge them and they wanted to challenge JT Barrett to beat them and he couldn't. He just couldn't. 
That being said, Ohio State has so much talent that yeah. for the most part this year, they're, they're not going to be playing from behind. Mm-mm. And so JT Barrett will continue to be somewhat effective. And, and I got to give him credit. He's really good with his legs. He's a really good runner because he's so big and hard to bring down. And that was a, he gave Oklahoma some problems Saturday night running the football. Yeah, and that was, that was one of my big worries too. He's, he's, yep. he, he's still um, – he, he, he's, he's good, I think, at extending plays and stepping up in the pocket. He, he has good pocket awareness. He just he, – as a quarterback, he, it seems like he does everything really well at the college level until they ask him to throw the ball 10 yards downfield. And he just, he's, not, he's just not very capable. And that's too bad. He has, he's got a strong arm. He's, he's a big guy. And I, I, I just I don't know what happened to to freshman JT Barrett, um, the year Ohio State won the national championship. He was he was really good throwing the ball downfield, um, but he had two first round NFL wide receivers that that had to had to have been it. And we've made the through this entire podcast really Grant without diving in and specifically talking about how good Baker Mayfield was on Saturday. Oh, yeah. I, th- I think the reason why is because it's it's expected now. Mm-hmm. And that's we're so spoiled with how good Baker Mayfield is playing tackle football that we just kind of take it for granted. But I will say, we, we can. I mean, you can say some things about him if you want, but something that uh, – another part of my notes that I want to bring up, after the game ended, Mayfield running around the field with that OU flag just planting it in the middle of the horseshoe, you know what? That's that's okay with me. That's fine. I mean, it's if you're not a Baker Mayfield fan and, and you're not an OU fan, you hate that. You think, ah, oh, that's kind of a douche move. But you know what? Sam Bradford wouldn't have done that. Sam Bradford, you don't see Sam Bradford. And you know what? Sam Bradford never was able to win a national championship. But hey, you know, to be fair, to be fair, Josh Heupel wouldn't have done that either. And Josh Heupel well, won yeah. a national championship. So that, that may be a, 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 not, a not fair shot at uh, – one of the best, if not best, I'm glad college quarterbacks of all time in Sam Bradford. I'm, yeah, I'm glad you brought up the flag because, man, the, how that's that's definitely the the, the leading nomination for uh, for non story of the week this upcoming week. Um, that oh, is well, yeah. that's so dumb. Like that that was a big deal on Twitter after the game, and it shouldn't be. Yeah, it's it's stupid. It's it's don't don't put anyone listening to this. Don't put any stock into that. There's it means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. I mean, Baker Mayfield was phenomenal. Really, I can only think of like two two mistakes he made uh the first one okay that play in the first half that lateral slash backwards pass to jeff Badette, either take that out of the playbook or make sure that that's a forward pass i don't see yeah. any upside to throwing that backwards none at all yeah that was that was a really frustrating play um just yeah i i'm just yeah we don't need to go too far in depth i just i, I want to it, 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 it is what it is I, I don't think that's that's a that's a play you're really going to see showcased a lot um that that play is it is a simple play. It's just designed to get Bedette on the edge, which where they did have a lot of success. And um, two things, kind of a dumb play. Second thing, Jeff Bedette, you got to come on, dude, catch that. Yeah, you got to um, catch the ball. Yeah. Um, other than that, you know, I that's that's nitpicking on the offense. Um, and you know, you brought up Baker and how we really haven't talked about him. And he was so good in the second half. He only had one incompletion in the second half. Um, I, I guess one maybe, incompletion. Wow. Yeah, he completed, I mean, completed his last 14 passes to end that game. Oh um, my gosh. And I think, I, I, I think the reason why we don't really bring him up here is because we expect it. That's, that's um, I Baker Mayfield. Maybe that, that was him kind of introducing himself. Um, and of course, college football fans know who Baker Mayfield is, but that's him kind of introducing himself as, as a big time guy. I think his first two years, he was kind of probably seen as a niche guy, maybe a, 
uh, a Colt McCoy type who was kind of limited, but he, he showed last night that that's just not the case. Um, and us senior fans, we've seen it now. This is the third season now we've seen it. Uh, and the guy's just incredible. And I'm be honest with you, the reason why I haven't said much is because I think he can, he can be better. I've seen him be better than he was last night. And um, I, it excites me because I, I think I, I still think the best is, is yet to come for Baker this season, especially as he gets more, uh, more chemistry with those young receivers. And because the, the sky's the limit for him this season, he's gonna, he's gonna have a monster year and he, we, we haven't seen the best out of him yet from, you know, what we saw last night. I said he had two mistakes. The other one real quick was the badly underthrown ball to CD lamb where it ended up, not being a, a big deal yeah. because CD Lamb was able to draw a pass interference call. That happens last year, which it kind of did happen last year. That's intercepted, and Ohio State takes a, a, a bunch of momentum. But mm. on Saturday, it worked out. So good, good on Baker Mayfield for that. Uh, real quick, Grant, just a, an overarching look at Oklahoma. Man, the next five weeks sure look promising. Tulane at Baylor at home against Iowa State, then a bye week. And then the Texas game. The next five weeks look pretty darn good for Oklahoma. Yeah, and if they can, you know, if they can be seven and zero going into Manhattan, that, I mean, that would be <laughs> it's big, Lee. Like I said, this is something that the Sooners they they have they have an opportunity ahead of them that they haven't had uh, since you know two thousand eight, almost a decade ago. And um, the the schedule does set up nicely. I'm I'm interested to see how they're going to come out against Tulane, a team that runs a triple option next week. Um, that'll be another interesting test for the front seven. Um, that Baylor game is now, I, I know I said it was, it was kind of the minefield game, but that's uh, Baylor is kind of looking like they might, uh, they might revert back to old Baylor. They lost to Texas San Antonio last night. So, um, that trip doesn't look as, as daunting anymore. And it, it, it's setting up really nicely. It was always that Ohio state game that everyone circled and said, Hey, it's this early season game and no one thought they were going to win. But they did, and how are they going to react now? So at this time in the podcast, normally we talk about the Big 12 a little bit and then talk about some of the national games from Saturday. But we've gone so long talking about this OU-Ohio State game that we are going to skip that for now, and we will revisit that in our podcast later this week when we talk more about OU versus Tulane. So we'll save some time for in that podcast for more talk about the Big 12 and, and the national scene. Does that sound okay to you, Grant? Sounds perfect. I uh, it's it's going to be tough for us to to get tape on Tulane, so I, I'm not sure how much we're gonna we're gonna be able to talk about Tulane. So that'll be a perfect time for us to go into the Big Twelve and national stuff. All right, well that does it with this episode of West of Everest. If you liked what you heard today, make sure you subscribe on iTunes and leave us a rating and a review. At least up to this point, this OU football season has been an exhilarating ride. Grant and I hope that trend continues for another four months or so. We'll be back. Later this week to talk OU versus Tulane, a little bit of Big 12, and a little bit of national college football. Until then, for Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest.